the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams and to set some aside for our kids inevitable therapy today we're talking about the booze slinging biz and the toddler contortionism trade and let's not forget the old pretend perfume peddling profession we are your host jamie parker stickle and i'm jason bieber and on this episode we are talking to a comedian who has hustled her way through the ranks of the comedy world to become the head writer and host of her own show the world's funniest weather received a standing ovation from all four judges on America's Got Talent, wrote six comedic survival books, and who is one of the most sought-after comedy coaches in Hollywood. And you know she's got a podcast. Oh, yeah. But I think she would argue that all of those are side hustles to support her true passion of being a cat lady. I agree. I agree. We couldn't be more thrilled to welcome to the show our good friend and comedy mentor, the one and only... Jody Miller! Jody Miller! Yay! Wouldn't it have been so uncomfortable if you were like, Tracy Mullins? And I was like, who? Oh, um, damn it. Uh, you couldn't get Tracy. I don't even know who Tracy is. Tracy, She's on her I'm way. Sure there's a Tracy We've Mullins only got though. six minutes left, actually. Mm-hmm. We've got okay. to bump you for Tracy. Right, okay, bye! <laughs> Fortunately, she's also a cat lady. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am a cat lady. I am. Thank you for recognizing that. That just sort of happened. Uh, Thankfully, I now have a daughter, so I'm not a crazy cat lady. I'm just a cat lady that has a kid. You slowly are like, okay, you're not as crazy because you also support a human life as well as feline lives. I think that really depends on how much the cat is doing to raise the child. Jersey's actually, you know... He doesn't. He doesn't really pull his weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, well, he's got to be like, old. Well, he's Jersey's fifteen. He's fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a good babysitter, no doubt. Uh, but like, <laughs> if I ask him to take her to daycare, he's like, oh, I don't feel like driving today. It's really, he's really just so selfish. Just useless. How useless. is he with the with the food pickup? Because I know, like, we are dog people, and mm-hmm. like, yeah. our house is never a mess because the crumbs where are dogs vacuums. It's so amazing. Jealous, yeah. Jersey, yeah. Doesn't, yeah. Jersey doesn't care about puffs and yeah. because she's just right now she's in a puff puree stage so she's still like or like guac, guacamole like there was like clumps of guacamole on the floor yesterday and sweet potato um but it's really the puffs those little like puffs that she just I put them on her tray as I'm making like her food and she just immediately is like and I'm throwing these everywhere and yeah. then they're everywhere and then I step on them and Jersey has no because they don't really smell cats actually dogs I think just eat everything they're just like everything mm-hmm. cats really don't eat things that they can't smell so unless it's like really pungent and those little puffs are like barely they're like cardboard that say banana you know strawberry oh our kid uh we had his first Heimlich infant Heimlich <gasps> on a newborn not newborn infant Heimlich on a puff oh my yeah. god yeah Jason well, was like, here puff. we he, go. He'd sho- he had shoved like four of them in his mouth. Yeah. Did you yeah. just give him that hard pat on the back? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he turned him on his side and gave him the yeah. like the pat that pushed it, you know, the up oh, pat God, and it yeah. looked <laughs> out. Yeah. Mackenzie fell, Mackenzie fell face forward in her new little tub last night. And of course I was looking, I heard like a what? And I, and I turned and she was there for like a second, but she was face in it and you know, her face was wet. She didn't cry or anything, but she definitely was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was strangely calm because, and I was a nanny. That was one of my jobs that I've had. I've been a nanny. I've been a babysitter. I was a mother's help. I've been like, you know, I was a camp counselor. I've taken care of kids for years. You were even a, a, a toddler gymnastics coach. Yes, I taught I taught little kids gymnastics. So I've been around kids for That's a really terrifying. long time. It's very terrifying. But I was in high school, so nothing terrifies you when you're in high school except sure. except the most popular girl. She's the only thing that can terrify you. But everything else, nothing <laughs> terrifies you. You're it's like, true. Yes. It's true. When you are under the age, I'm going to go so far as to say under the age of 25 and you're yeah. a camp counselor and they're like, oh, you need to know CPR so you get certified. There is never a moment that you're like, yeah, I actually need to know this. This is going to happen. Yeah. Never, never. Yes, even if it does happen, you're strangely calm when it's not your kid. I, you know, I've again, like I babysat, I've, I've done all of that, and I've seen kids fall like face first on the concrete, and you're very much just like, whoa, wait, it's okay. You bruised <laughs> the concrete. You it's never so have that like weird reaction. <laughs> Cut to she was a month old, my daughter, and 
it was I was the first it was the first tape day I was going back for the weather show and I was like I can do it all I was gonna like drop I was dropping her off I was taking her to the doctor and then I had a sitter coming that day because she wasn't a daycare yet but I was putting my makeup on and I had her on the boppy on the toilet seat you guys all see where this is going but she's a month old so she's tiny doesn't move that much and I'm like I can do it all I'm a working mom I can host a show and take care of a baby and she just went face first just on the tile floor of the bathroom which was not a far drop at all right she's on the boppy right and and babies by the way are like made of rubber when they're like a month old and i all of that like oh i'm so cool when like don't overreact when i was i was screaming louder than she was screaming (laughs) i was doing that i don't know what to do like like freaking she was so fine by the way and thankfully she had her one month checkup and i told the doctor i was like crying i was like i dropped her just fell on her face and he's like he literally is like i don't even see a bruise like she's totally fine i was like does she have a concussion he's like i doubt it <laughs> like, I, I love the feeling you have when you take the kid to the to the doctor and you're like praying they don't find specific they, they don't bruises. take the baby away from you yeah they're like oh um, yeah you try to act like you're the best parents you're like yes i'm uh-huh i'm on top of all of that i never raise my voice I I don't, I don't anymore because I'm like, I need them to tell me I'm doing okay. I'm the opposite. I'm like, um, listen, I told my kid I was going to kill him the other day because he wouldn't shut up. Oh, (laughs) oh my God. Well, I mean, I haven't said that to my doctor yet, but I say it on stage. I go like, and this is something no one talks about, especially zero to four months. The fact that I've, I've said, and I know everyone else has said, shut the fuck up to my daughter's face. I've screamed it while she was screaming in her bassinet, screamed it to her face. And I was sort of crying immediately after. And then every oh, yeah. parent, every parent I've talked to afterwards, is like, oh my God, I've said that a million times. You can't, there's no, there's no way you can even stop it. It literally just right. builds up, builds up. And then you're just like, shut up. And then yeah. you're like, oh my God, like you're just like spiraling into a circle. And then I oh, like, yeah. had screaming matches with her. Like she's like, ah, and then I'm like, ah, <laughs> and we're just like at each other's like, who can do it? And she's like a month. She has no clue. She doesn't even know what life is. And right. I'm like, then I'm and cut to like me in the corner, just like crying, shaking. Yep. I'm like, yeah, what's happening to my, yeah. Your daughter thinks it's all hilarious. She Jersey, does now. Totally she, bored. Yes. She does now, and I don't, it's funny, I don't really, I don't scream anymore like that. Uh, I definitely have yelled, can I just take a shit the other night because she was screaming because I I left the room. She's Mm -hmm. at that age, and I just was like, I have to poop, I have to poop, and I just screamed it. And uh, my friend who's renting the guest house in the back, um, (laughs) like, texted me, she's like, you okay? You need some help? (laughs) I'm like, no, I just have to take a crap. Like my daughter won't let me do that right now because I left the room for a minute. Right. That doesn't change. I locked the door and he's figured out at six how to unlock doors. So he just comes right in and he's and he's like, oh, like Mom, hey, I'm gonna do there? face paint while you're pooping. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, our, oh he's a well. butter knife lockpick. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Well, I mean, you might as well use him to start like breaking into safes and stuff. That's the plan. He's got those little hands. Yeah. Speaking of, I hope that's a side hustle for him since we need to. That's named a him great side hustle. I want to ask you about some of the things you mentioned, none of which were on the the, the stuff you you messaged us. Because I've had every job, every job. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. But one of the things you said, so you listed ten different vi- versions of babysitter, and yeah. one of you one of them you mentioned that I've heard before, but don't know how it's different. Mother's is, helper. What's mother's a mother's helper? helper? Yeah. How is that mother, different? Well, so a mother's day? helper, and I did that. By the way, I was like 12, 13, which is very young. But when you grow up, like you know, in a town, a suburban town, where you kind of know a lot of the people, it was basically I'm helping the mom. I didn't get paid. Like I probably got paid. It was a. I was a 12 year old. I was a tween, but I was taking care of three kids while they were at work. I mean, by all intents and purposes, I was a mother's helper is just a nanny that you pay like a dollar. Like it was more like, I mean, I made barely any money, but I was like, oh, I have a job. I have a summer job. And not only did I take care of three kids, it was like six, five and a baby. And I've never, I was like, what? But I had to like, it was probably only like four hours a day, but in my, you know, teenage mind, tween mind, it was like hours and hours, but I like made them dinner. It was like after, you know, in the afternoon. Right. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. I was called a mother's helper because I was helping the mom who just wasn't present. <laughs> right. I did that too. What we, I was actually babysitting, but it's when she 
they, they called it the, a mother's helper too. I don't know if it was right. a Midwest thing for some reason, right. but I was like 11 or 12. I was in like sixth grade Yeah, that's what I mean. and, they were, and it was my neighbors and she would have to go to the grocery store and she yep. had five boys. Oh my God. And That's I insane. would go over and she would pull out a brick of cheddar and she's like, just, just cut the mold off of it and then give them some cheese oh, and crackers and I'll be home. So I was like with a knife, five mm -hmm. boys yep. climbing and scream as an 11 year old. Oh my God. As an 11 year old, I had to threaten to call 911. And they were like, what, why? And I was like, cause you, they were peeing on each other. Oh <laughs> they God. were having like pee what wars. The shit? You guys, it was an 11 year old shouldn't be left alone with five no, but, under the age of 10. But having said that, I don't remember then with three kids that I'm sure were like, all. Oh, I don't remember getting as stressed as I get now no. as a full grown adult. Cause as an 11, yes. 12 year old, you're like, whatever, because you're also still a child. So yeah. you're like, I don't care, make a mess. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. You just want to make sure they're fed. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like if they have to do homework, you're like, just do your homework. Like you don't really care yeah. because you're a child yourself. So you don't even have that sort of like stress level where now it's like, you know, you're just like constantly just like, ah, oh my God. How, why are you trying to kill yourself? Yeah, back then it's like, I don't care if you kill yourself. You're not my kid. So <laughs> what's interesting to me is though that you did all these jobs with children and you're like, oh, and I did this and I did that and I did yeah. this and I did that. And I've always worked with kids. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Jody was like, but that's not what I'm going to do for a living. I'm going to oh, be no. a comedian. <laughs> oh, well, I never I'm gonna knew be an I actor. I never wanted it. Well, actually, no, I, I always tell, I used to always, so funny, I just brought this up the other day. Like, I came out to California to be a bartender, but thankfully, I like was just acting on the side. Yeah. Um, you watched Cocktail? And I love that you were a bartender in um, the recent Netflix movie. Um, oh, in Eliza's movie. Yeah. Yeah. In Eliza's movie. It I was know. so great. I was like, Oh. Yeah, so well, yeah. She just was like, "Do you want to be a bartender in this?" I was like, "Sure." sure uh, I remember that role because sure, I did it for dream. like 15 years. I was a bartender for so long, and you know what? It is. I would recommend that to anyone because if you can get I started it. bartending. I was like cocktail waitressing in uh, in college at 19, and um, I started bartending right around there because you know one of the bartenders called in sick, and I was like, "I know how to make those drinks." Like there was a lot of drinks you just already know how to make. And I am, I've always been a big fake it till you make it type of thing. So I was like, yeah. well, figure it out. I remember bartending in college and like looking in the cocktail book if somebody would ask me what it was. And it, it was such an amazing job because you know, I made so much money. And then when I got out of college, I was working in Hoboken, which is like the Mecca. And I was just making, I mean, hand over fist money, which was a good and bad thing. My 20s, when I wasn't nearly as focused as I should have been on the fact that I wanted to be an actor at that time. I didn't like get into comedy until I was about 25, but I was acting for sure. But I was really bartending and just living the life, making thousands of dollars, just thousands, just hand over fist, just partying. I was like, this is the best. And then when I came out here, that's the great thing about being a bartender. Like you can do it anywhere and you, you can, can do, do it, it in like catering. You can do private events. You can work at a bar. I loved working at a bar. It's, if I wouldn't, it's really sad because the owner of the bar, Patrick Malloy's, um, uh, down in Hermosa Beach, was I got I came out here and I was like 28 and I it was I was only out here like a week and I applied down there because I thought I was only gonna be out here like three months. And 22 later, 22 years later, right. I uh, I got a job there because he was from Jersey, and if it wasn't for Patrick Malloy's, because I was there three and a half years. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have moved back to Jersey. I found my people there, like my some of my best friends that I'm still friends with today. It's just a great, it was a great family and it was such a great way to make money and to only work like three days a week. So I had all my days free to audition. And then when comedy started really taking, taking over my life and it, you know, I wanted to do it more, that's when I realized I needed to, leave bartending and do more of a day job and that's I literally left bartending to become a nanny and uh and I'm still friends with I mean Gracie when I started was three and a half and she is now 20 almost 24 wow and lives yeah. in New York she just graduated college and she's uh so she's 23 and she uh yeah she I just saw her before she left because she wanted to meet my daughter it was very full circle and she's like living in New York, like living the life. I'm like, oh, whenever I see your pictures on Instagram, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. But jelly you never send her out to Hoboken, right? Keep. Oh, she's <laughs> been to Hoboken. She's like at Hoboken. Yeah, she's like partying. I mean, she's got a, a sweet place with a doorman in Chelsea. I mean, she's doing. Ooh. Is she in the business? Like, are, are her, her folks her, in the fa business? her family is. Her family is very, very, very wealthy. <laughs> she's so fine. you. 
How did you end up finding, okay, so both those two jobs are dream jobs when you come to California and they're really hard to get um, a lot nannying, of performers. Nannying is not, nannying is not. And bartending, I mean, I was very fortunate because I just went into a bar. The truth is, is that honestly, what I found out very quickly was there's a lot of very attractive bartenders, but they weren't very good. And on the yeah. East Coast, it's totally different. You can be attractive and also be an amazing bartender. And everybody yeah. just, she was like really slow. And I remember saying to the owner, I was like, your bartenders are so slow. How much do they, I just immediately was like, how much do they ring a night? Cause in Hoboken, we were very competitive about like our sales at the end of the night. We would just be like, how much did you ring? How much? We were really, really fast and you had to be. So I remember saying that to the owner, Patrick Malloy is like, how much do your bartenders ring? And he was like, he was shocked that I said that, and then he told me, and I was like, I could easily triple that on a Saturday night. Easily. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the podcast. That's a very East Coast, like, that's, and all of the jobs I ever got like that were like that. Now, as far as nannying, there was another comic, Laura Dodona. Um, she, I think she moved back to the East Coast, very funny. She was a nanny. And she just told me about this agency. There's a lot of agencies out here. I mean, I went there. Trust me, it's, I think it's the easiest thing for people to do. You just go to an agency. You have your, your references. And it was the first family I met. Um, you know, they... And then you can pick your... Like, I actually was more you know, part-time. I met with the family. And it was, and it was so funny because like, I just didn't know how things... Like, I didn't know how that worked. I was there two to six, and I met Crazy five days a week. And a half. And, and as I was leaving, I was like, okay, I'll take a great job. I and mean, she goes, it oh, was no, super easy for four people, but I was like, oh, you know, okay. I met with the family. Uh, and it was like, so funny because I, no I just didn't know like, how things okay. like, right. I didn't know how that worked, but I met her and I met Gracie. It was three and a half. And as I was leaving, I was like, okay, I'll take the job. And she goes, oh, no, we're interviewing more people. But I was like, oh, okay. Um, like, I had no idea. I was like, okay. <laughs> right. Um, but then You're they hiring me. Yeah, I'll take this job. I'll take this. Uh, mm -hmm. Then she called me like a week later, and she's like, we'd love to have you. And, I mean, again, I'm very close with the family to this day. I mean, like, we're really close. So, And I stayed close with them even after, you know, I left when she was, like, six. Um, but, yeah. It was, and you were able, I mean, you it was done at six and you were able to get out to clubs for eight o'clock shows. It was, oh my God, it was perfect. It was, yeah. it was so perfect. It was great. I also didn't start till two. So it's not like I had to wake up early. You know what I mean? Did you, yeah. did you make video. enough? Did you make um, enough? No, I didn't. I had to go back yeah. to bartending. I had to go back to bartending um, a couple nights a week. And that's when Acme, I was, you know, a company member at Acme. And that's when the owner of Acme um, bought a Moffy. So, Alofi's mm -hmm. the restaurant yeah. downstairs from the Acme County. Yes, Theater. I was able to. Yes, I was able to work Tuesdays and Thursdays. I was able to work more off nights there. But the great thing about that is that for anybody in LA that remembers Amalfi upstairs was room five, and mm -hmm. I brought comedy there, and then I taught comedy there. So yeah. it, I really sort of blended those two worlds. And then you know, in that time, I also became the manager of my apartment building, and then I was a personal assistant. So I've had a lot of jobs that sort of was conducive to what I was doing in my career. And then actually at that time too, I mean, I wasn't hardcore stand-up. I was doing more like my one woman show and I was performing. I wasn't hardcore stand-up probably until, mm, you know, like mid, early thirties, mid thirties. Um, but I was doing it. I just wasn't doing it like five, six nights a week and traveling a lot. I started traveling around 35. But in that time I was doing, I, you know, I was doing a lot of ghostwriting. I got hired as a, like, to rewrite a script. I was doing a lot of that and that was really lucrative and that was great. And that got me completely out of the bartending game for good. And yeah, I mean, but honestly, all of those things wouldn't have happened without standup. Standup yeah. opened every single door that I, that I'm, you know, that I've walked through to this day, every door. Which it's crazy. Cra that's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's talk about ghostwriting for a second, because yeah. we've talked about ghostwriting a lot on this show because we have a lot of writers on and, and ghostwriting is a lucrative and yeah. sort of big ticket item to get. Yeah. Um, and we're not just talking about ghostwriting. We're going to talk about what you were ghostwriting. I'm talking about like some people are ghostwriting memoirs with celebrities and their mm -hmm. names actually go on the books. Some people right. are ghostwriting celebrities are writing a fictional novel. Uh, people hate when you say that, but right, I have yeah, to yeah. say because some people will be like, "What's what? Uh, what's fiction? A novel? Yes, which is a story. Yes, that is 
fiction. Pretend that's words not that's real. Yes. Out of hundred or so pages <clears throat> that are glued yeah. together. Right. So for all my writing people, it's a book that you open is made of paper. Right. Mm-hmm. But for all the writing writers out there who hate it when people say that, listen, some people don't know. Oh um, Jesus. So, so, uh, yeah, our audience. Yeah, there's, those yeah. are the people that really think that all reality shows are real, are real. Yeah. So, so they write novels for celebrities, mm. but the celebrity name goes on it. And everyone thinks the celebrity has actually written this yes. novel Yes. and it's been ghostwritten. So Jody, let's talk yes. for a second about what you're ghostwriting. Yes. You are a very talented writer. Oh, I appreciate that. I, the very oh, first job that I ever, girl. thank you. I ever, first job that I got, which is another fake it till you make it type of situation. A friend of mine was a producer and she was working with a good friend of mine who's a, a big producer. I mean, he's always been a big producer, but even bigger now. They had a script and they needed a non-union at the, at the time. Someone, I mean, it, this guy was a first time writer and he also was directing it. And he had a lot of funding. So, it, you know, we had some big names, Lou Diamond Phil at the time, Lou Diamond Phillips, Pam Greer. And yeah. it was a supernatural, which I love. But people just assume that comedy is my, my jam. And I wrote for, you know, I wrote all four seasons of Coed Confidential, which was on, you know, Cinemax, so I can write soft porn, people. Um, different than hard porn. But... Uh, the scripts are needed. <laughs> the scripts know, are needed for are all. needed. And this was before, though. This was definitely before uh, Coed Confidential. But I... My friend was working on it, or my friend wasn't working on it, but she was friends with this producer and they needed a non-union writer to clean this script up because it was just like garbage. But they had like good talent attached before they started shooting. So they sent, she sent it to me and I met with him. It wasn't like, oh, you just have this job. I've never cleaned up, not punch up, just clean up a script, dialogue, doctor, everything. And I remember, remember reading it. And I went to the meeting. I was like, just be honest. You know what I mean? And I literally said, because the writer wasn't in in there. It was just the uh, EP, the executive producer. And I just said, hey, I go, the good news is, is that all of the scenes are in order. (laughs) I mean, like in order of of a movie, like it all makes sense that this happens here, then this, then that. It wasn't like jumping over. Let me be honest. That's huge. It is actually very, very huge. huge. For people listening, like if you think that's a joke, it's not actually. That's actually the, that's. That's the hardest thing to be like, okay, now wait a minute, where does the story go? So I was like, but what I said to him, I go, but having said that, it is very clear that this person has never had another conversation with a female in his life because all of his female (laughs) characters sound exactly the same. I go, this doesn't make sense. And I broke it down, but I broke it down in a way like, I didn't say like, this needs so much work. I broke it down in a way, and for anyone listening, whenever you're doing something like that, if you want the job make sure you let them know that you're the one who's capable of doing that and it's a job that can be done. It's not like, oh my God, this is impossible. So I was like, look, all the scenes are in order, which is an amazing thing. I think the dialogue needs a lot of help and I definitely can specialize in that because I've done a lot of that work. I also feel like you can add a little bit more of the human interest story into here. Another thing there, we can add a slight little bit just because it's supernatural doesn't mean there can't be a little bit of humor. Any kind of humor usually makes the people, you know, Relatable. Connect more, relate, yeah. I, you know, and I broke it down about what I would do. And he right then and there was like, you're hired. So it was, it was very great. Said, I'll take the job. I'll take, uh, yes, at that point <laughs> I was like, great, I'll take the job. So I remember I had like less than a week to like clean this up, but it was so great. I loved it. It's like a puzzle, like putting it together. And I just like, I, and at that time I didn't even have, uh, wait, did I have, oh, I had final draft, but I didn't have a laptop. That's how long ago it was. I didn't have a laptop and so I was working on just like my PC and uh, I sent it to them super happy I get paid cut to like a couple paused. weeks later because I, I've never done that at my friend's house like a little party so how much how much is it gonna like, how much is it gonna take answer and I literally I, I, I didn't even have a second to like consult like, friends I don't ASAP. know what to say like, hey, I knew what to say for the rewriting job itself only four days I already had a number in mind I didn't know that the writer was also the director I didn't know that and this was and be on set when he saw all the changes I made and he just said he changed them all back $15,000 he just changed a lot of them he didn't change the dialogue he knew that the dialogue was better, I but he added all these scenes that I cut for that like were a unnecessary, second, <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> exposition, I go, like a lot of crap um, that you just don't need. Twenty, and because he thought I was playing they a were already a million dollars now over budget. Yeah, like, it was already, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, speak. I mean, it was a two million dollar oh film. He already like brought because he like they kept he kept changing things so that they were only shooting like quarter days. Lou Diamond Phillips had a hard out on when he, he was only there like his contract. It was a lot. It was a mess, and wow. so this is the best I remember. 
uh, Dan, the EP, on the phone was like, we need you to fly up to Sacramento tomorrow and fix this on <gasps> set. And I know, and I I was like, oh, okay. And it's so funny because I, I paused because I, I've never done that before. And he just goes, so how much, how much is it going to take? And I literally, I, I, I didn't even have a second to like consult friends. I don't know what to say. I knew what to say for the rewriting job itself. Like I already had a number in mind what they were going to pay me. But for them to fly me up and to be on set, I don't, I don't know. And he just said, $15,000? That's what he just said. And this was a long time ago, people. He just goes, 15000 <laughs> And I went deaf for like a second because I was like, <laughs> I, I go, um, he goes, Jody, I'm 20? Because he thought I was playing hardball. And I go, yeah, okay. And I was just like, speak. I'm like, speak. So oh, my God. I was like, speak. Um, he's like, great. We'll, uh, we'll confirm it up. We'll lock it up tomorrow. I was like, so I just was so stunned. So, like, cut to, I fly up the next day. Uh, they give me a laptop when I get there because I was like, I don't have a laptop. I mean, I bought one after this job, people. Like, sure. And, and she still has it. It's and, a yes, the exact same one. I'm on it right now. Um, and it was an amazing experience. And I met a, the, some of the other uh, EPs on, there was like two other EPs that they were just, they weren't like really, they weren't like, they were only on set for like a day or two. And because I got in there and we had one full, I got, second I got off the plane, I was rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. I mean, up until like three in the morning. And then like the next day they went dark just so we go over all the changes. And like, you could only imagine the direct, I mean, yeah, the director, the guy who wrote it was also just hated me. Um, but I got him back on track. I got everyone back on track. And because of that, I got a lot of jobs from that one job because the other two EPs were like, oh, what's your, what's your fee for dialogue? What, I mean, I just started getting, that was a huge, like, bump in my career at that time where I was like, oh, I, and I was able to like quit bartending and I did a lot of rewrites and then I started doing some stuff for Lifetime and- Did you get an agent? I didn't get an agent. You know, it's because really funny. I, I Lifetime's non-union, right? These it, were, was, it was, I did all non-union stuff all or, non or a lot of under the table stuff. Like yeah. I was, it was union, but I wasn't union and there was, my name was not attached to anything and I was fine right. with that. But right. if, and then but the lifetime stuff, my name was attached, but it was more under like um, consulting. Yeah. So, um, and then, I mean, I had an agent, a regular lit agent, but I didn't even like yeah. bring them in on that. I was like, this is just my money. And then, and well, then you, you didn't make your deal. So right. I didn't. Right. And then, you know what? I, it all went away. It's so funny. I always tell people in this industry, like I thought this is it. This is where I blow up. This is where I keep moving forward. And then it stops. And then oh, you're yeah. like, what's going on? And then I got other writing. And then I got the books. I started doing the books and then we that know, allowed so, me to go in confidential. So books don't make a lot of money. No, like, I made garbage money. Yeah. So what people think is like all these authors are like, you know, raking it in, but that's not true. Like oh. authors have, writing's really their side hustle like yes. they're all I mean, like, unless it's like on the bestseller list you know what i mean but even exactly. on the bestseller even on the bestseller list you have to have multiple bestsellers you, you have, have to have so many sales to make anything like we got in right. advance it was me and my, you know my co-author greg I, I wrote one of the the omg was me wtf was greg and i and i yeah you get in advance which is nothing i mean mm -hmm. it's like it's like a few thousand each yeah. And you're like, great. And the book, too, you know, you have 20, we'd like 20 days per book to like bang it out. Wow. And, you know, you do it. And then you basically, you're waiting for royalties that never come because the books, they didn't. And this is like a full on publishing house. This is Adams yeah. Media. This is not like self published. This is like full on HarperCollins, like Adams Media, which is a subsidiary, like a pod. I mean, yep. they've got tons of books. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, our books were like, in Urban Outfitters and Barnes and Nobles, they were everywhere. It was they were everywhere. They were in airports. It's a great fun coffee book on Amazon. You can find them all. But yeah, I mean, there wasn't enough sales. There was not even you have to sell so, so many books. So many. So I think the only book we got royalties from was WTF College. That book made a lot of money because of like every time college, like um, you know, the fall came around. Mm. Barnes and Nobles at that time, bookstores people, that's what I'm talking about, like actual bookstores, they would put those books in the college section and they were fun books. So we made, I think, a couple hundred each um, from royalties for that and then it stopped, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you can't make a living, you know what I mean? 
So you were don't back- say that. Jamie just got her MFA. She's her first book's about to come out. <laughs> you no, can make a big living, Jamie. I'm so okay. The first thing they teach you before you even sign up to, even before you even apply for your MFA, they're like, you're not going to make any money as an author, right? Like, don't quit your day job. But just like TV writers, they say, don't buy a house. Right. Don't buy a house just because you got uh, you're uh, you're on a TV show. It got picked up for two for two more seasons. You're a writer on the show because once the show ends, how yeah, are you going to make that? I more bought a house. Season? I didn't. I didn't get that memo. I was. I wrote. Funny <laughs> you should ask. For three seasons, I bought a house, got a baby, and the show hasn't come back yet because a pandemic happened. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I didn't get that memo. I did get the memo about not rocking your baby to sleep, mm-hmm. which not is important. about not buying a house, right? Which is important. But but you, the thing with you is, it's okay that you bought the house because you waited to buy that house. I mean, you were managing an apartment building as a side for a hustle. Long time. I mean, I was in that building time. for twenty years. I managed yeah. it for about nine, and I was the assistant manager for eight before that. So I wasn't going to leave that building, and I loved that apartment. I wasn't going to leave yeah. that until I bought a house. So, yeah. I think we have friends that live there still. I think Kevin oh, Ashworth Kevin, yeah. still lives yes. there. I love Kevin, yes. Um, Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly still lives there. there. Yeah, she, yeah, it's a great building. Yeah, it's a great building. building. There was no reason to leave, especially when I wasn't paying rent for the last eight years. You know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. Where would I go? Like, that's for, another job that a lot. I mean, that a lot of people. A, yes, another coveted yeah. actor job. It's yeah, a great job. Our, yeah. And our guest Celeste Pekosh did the same. Sh- thing. Has a Showtime series, and she is never leaving her job or her apartment because right. she doesn't have to pay the rent. You don't pay the rent, and she's yeah. got a Showtime series. Yeah. The reason, I mean, I knew I wanted to have a baby and I knew I wasn't going to raise her in a one bedroom apartment and it was, I was done. I wanted a yard. I wanted, I wanted the next chapter of my life to begin. And as much as I loved the apartment and I actually remained consulting. So I still got paid a little bit for about a year and a half, just, just recently, because I'm still really good friends with the owner um i just recently completely like pulled away because they hired somebody completely new um i was still helping the other assistant manager i yeah i loved that building but i knew that you know if maybe if it was a bigger apartment i would have stayed longer but i really wanted a house and i really you know i wanted to have a family and it wasn't going to happen in that apartment so i had also just felt stuck for 20 years like i talk about that like i really felt stuck you know, not just because I was in an apartment for the exact same apartment for 20 years. Like I was in that apartment longer than I was in my childhood home. Yeah. I, I just felt stuck in every aspect of my life. It just like, it, my life wasn't moving really forward. Like things would happen. And then I would like, you know, America's got talent. And then, you know, when America's got talent, when premiered, I was, they were like, I was delivering groceries. That was such a side. That was Instacart, by the way, before Instacart was really big. Before pandemic, you were delivering oh, groceries. Oh, yeah, years ago. This is like- but just it, to lazy people. This, yes, it, no, to rich people because- <laughs> Just to rich people. Let's take a quick break. And we're back. Because Instacart, when I started, only, only, you could only shop at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Yeah. That was it, the only two places. They didn't go anywhere else. And I had like specific clients and, but it was very part-time and it was great because while I was being the apartment manager, I was also doing this, it was like super easy. But of course they played up, you know, wow, on I AGT. Am, oh, I was also exactly free, I was freelancing for a company years in New York, single, uh, writing in an apartment. web descriptions. Now I'm delivering so between groceries. those three things, I was like, oh, I mean, this is really weird and, and just then, talk about delivering like, groceries. That. But then cut to like after and my life know, tragedy that is America's like, Got Talent. So and they were like, fast. they just cut me without like, warning. Fast forward I, so everything quickly, sort of it was like apart. hyperspeed. My freelance job went away, they didn't need me anymore. I mean, immediately I got on, just delivering groceries. shows and it worked on another show. Then the Weird show got picked up, then life. I became the head writer. Was, I was then so I got picked up for more seasons, like, wow, then I got I the weather show. Then exactly all of a sudden, I was at buying a house. 20 years ago. I, got, Single, I bought a house and got a band in an apartment. And under two now years. Everything groceries. went so fast. I mean, it was yeah. really weird. All of a sudden, and then, that like, it was like, oh, you've that. been stuck. And now it's something <laughs> shifted. And my life went, like, so fast. Like, fast forward so quickly. It was like hyperspeed. It was like... Oh my God. I mean, I immediately, I got on, you know, I was working on a show. Then I worked on another show. Then the show got picked up. Then I became the head writer. Then it got picked up for more seasons. Then I got the weather show. Then all of a sudden I'm buying a house. I I bought a house and got a baby in under two years. Everything went so fast. Yeah. All of a sudden that it was like, oh, you've been stuck. And now, you know what I mean? So it can happen to anyone at any time. It doesn't matter what job you're doing. 
at any age because the next day everything can change for the better yeah. or for the worse, but let's hope for the better. Yeah. And then there could be a global pandemic, which yes. stops everything again. Everything's. But so how glad yes. are you that you're in the house during the global pandemic? Oh my God. I was, you know, thank, oh my God. In the beginning, I wasn't. I was happy and I wasn't. If I, you know, my two best friends were in, you know, two, actually two and a half. My, well, my friend Andy lived in that building I was really close with. My friend Ariel, I got her in the building. And Kimberly was right next door to me. And I was very lonely in the beginning. When yeah. the world shut down, I was like, very lonely. And if I had been in the building, we could have all just hung out together. You know? Right. So it was very, very lonely. But then... You know, I was like, oh, I have this huge backyard. I have a pool. I could sit outside. I felt, I don't know, I felt sort of like safer out in the valley. It was just more spread out. I just, everything yeah. about it, I just was like, this is just, I just felt like better. It was very lonely for sure. And I had definitely had sort of like resentment to people that weren't alone during the pandemic because I know everybody was going through it. But I mean, when you don't have any human contact with anyone, like you haven't touched another person. Yeah. You, you start to really, it's really starts fucking with you. And yeah. it, you know, I started going to the grocery store earlier than anyone. I didn't give a shit. I was putting like, I was making like homemade masks, but I'm like, I have to be around some people. Yeah. As a, someone who lives alone, you, I have to, it's there's only so much, you know, I mean, we're social creatures. So it was, yeah. that was well, I think, hard. I think an important part of that to note is you're always working. You are one of those people that's always working in person. Like comedy right. is, comedy, is very close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you have an audience that you're always around energy of other people mm -hmm. in this yeah. business. Yes. So that shut and you go home because you're always around other people's yes, energy. And when I go home, I enjoy being alone and shutting right. it down and being quiet. But when it's like that all the time, it mm -hmm. was really hard. That's that fucks with your head. I would like to pivot for a second. Pivot. And I don't know when this job took place, but I would I would just hate myself forever if we didn't talk about how you used to sell imitation perfume out of the back of your car. Yeah, such a good job. Uh, I actually with benefits, I right? actually reconnected with my like co-saleswoman Laura who on Instagram. It's so funny. Um that job, I also, I mean, as actors, you guys know, we're just natural salesmen. You know, that's, yeah. why, so many, that's why so many actors become real estate agents because yeah. that's the natural progression of it. Um, we're just like, now, I'll, love sell, them. now I'll sell homes. I um, love them. Yeah, seriously. So, I mean, I was in college and it was a summer job and I don't even know how I, I must have seen an ad. Who the hell knows? It was one of those crazy, like, just not like it's sort of a pyramid scheme but like in a different way basically they were just nondescript huge bottles that actually smelled exactly like the real thing i'm not even kidding you like all of the name brands and basically i think the bottles we sold them for 25 dollars, but we only had to pay 17 per bottle to you know the the boss guy so and then if you train someone like I trained Laura, mm -hmm. I'd get a dollar for every bottle or two dollars for every bottle she sold, and like it went down. That you know what I mean. You love so that I, downline. Yeah. It's so I, I quickly became a one like one of the top salespeople, and they'd always have like contests for too. Sure. It was so great. So basically, here was my spiel, mine and Laura's. We would go to a mall, like um, if anybody's familiar with the East Coast, like in Jersey, like the Willowbrook Mall is a huge mall, huge parking lots, and I mean they're two girls very non-threatening, you dress nice, you dress very nice, you make sure you know what kind of hotels are in the neighborhood, so like, let's say there's a Hyatt right there, and then you see people, I'd see both of you guys, and I'd be like, oh my God, hi, excuse me, I'm so, so sorry to bother you, because you're walking into the mall. The reason that you always pick a mall or like a shopping center is because people are going somewhere to shop. They're going right. somewhere to spend to money spend already. Money. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, I'm so sorry, I didn't, it's still, don't mean to bother you. I actually just did a huge convention over at the Hyatt, it. I work for a big perfume company. You know those bottles, like when you're in a department store and people spray you with those bottles? They're called tester bottles. And after you have a convention or a show, they need to get rid of them at cost. So I just like, wait, what kind of perfume do you wear? So before you could say anything, I'm already asking you, Jamie, like what, like, what kind of perfume do you wear? And then you're like, I don't know, Beautiful by Estee Lauder. Oh my God, we have Beautiful, we have Dracar, we've got, you know, Red Door, we've got all of this stuff. If I could just, I mean, like, if you just want to take a look because it's like literally like at cost and they're giant bottles. And then I'd say nine, maybe eight times out of 10, 
you can get them if if you can get them to come back to your car they're sold they're sold yeah and eight times out of ten i'd get them to come back to the car so they come back to the car and what i do is i'd have this big box and they were huge bottles with no no label but there'd be a label on the box really really nice boxes and i would just i'd put beautiful in your hand oh my god have you tried happy also by clinique it's so good i'd put that in your hand you'd start smelling it like wow this is really good by the time you had three bottles in your hand i was already like Oh my god, aren't they great? And you're like, oh my god, they're so great. They're 25 a bottle. I'm like, they're 25 a bottle. Do you want to get all three or just the two? Yeah. I mean, it's already like, um, I guess I'll, I think I'm just going to get the two. Okay. And then if you're yeah. like, wait, do you actually have uh, Elizabeth Arden Red Door? And I'm like, you know what? I do have that. It's it's just a little bit more. So, and then I'm saying it like you can't afford it. And then you're like, well, oh how God. much more? And I'm like, no, no, right. no it's, like, it's 30 compared to 25. And then you're like, no, I want to smell that. And then you're right. like, I'm going to take this and this one. And I mean, like, there's so many strategies to like, you're, and then, I mean, when I say I, I would sell so much of it, I actually drive home because I was only an hour from home when I went back to school and I would get a box of it and bring it back to my campus mm -hmm. and every if you think about this back then back in the 90s guys when I went to college every oh college student was given like a checkbook by their parents it was like their first checking account so they have checks and what do kids love to do they love to write checks so I would go from dorm to dorm to sorority house and people were like I have a check $25 and I was like thank you here it is I sold so much at school I mean I just kept racking in money 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 we would make so much money and have so much fun driving around from like mall to mall super creepy now but uh, oh I would go to like oh any job that, that like success is measured by whether you can get someone to follow you back to your car is oh, yeah. gonna be oh my god but I used to also right. by the way once that once you turn that salesman part of your brain on you can't turn it off I remember I was in an ATM and this woman I hear in. you now you're like on fire oh, yeah. I'm ready to buy perfume okay, you from buy you right review. now this lady walked into the atm she just started like she just like worked out and i i mean i was literally just getting cash i couldn't help myself i go i'm so sorry i don't even mean to bother you but like what kind of perfume do you wear and i was like it's so weird i just worked for this company i just I, and and i like sold her a bottle she was getting cash she was like well hold on let me just get i mean i could sell anywhere i was oh like i God. couldn't stop but it, like, it also takes i did the same thing but i actually worked for estee lauder oh my God, so so I worked sorry. at the no, no, I know. I worked at the prescriptives counter. And where, where is everybody? Where is everybody? They're in the parking lot with Jody, Jamie. Um, but when I worked for Estee Lauder, I I worked as a makeup artist. So I wasn't at the counter, so they would right. bring me in as a consultant. We were called consultants, and we would booth sales for the day. But the account coordinator that I worked for in Detroit, around the same age as you were doing it, um she moved over to a perfume line. She left Estee Lauder and moved to a perfume line. She's like, do you want to do perfume for me? Right. And I was like, I don't know. It pays less than makeup. Right. She was like, no, no, no. I'll give you boxes of testers and you can sell them on your own. Oh my God. So I had, I had you did I, the same thing, but like with the real version, but with the real version, wow. all the testers, I had three boxes. The thing is, it was a shitty perfume that nobody wanted and it stunk <laughs> like ass. And I had to just give it away before I moved to California oh because nobody wanted to buy it. So I failed. So you failed at that. But that's not your fault if it had smelled good. It a shitty perfume. I don't even think it's Maybe. still in business. I, I don't know. I feel like I would have bought your shitty perfume if Jody was selling it to me. You probably would have. And you I would have, have been able to be to like, me. look, it lingers and it smells a little bit like shit, but you don't understand. <laughs> it's Estee Lauder. And that's a really big deal when you tell your friends they're going to buy it. Right. <laughs> oh. um, it's so funny. We're, 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 we've got a little more time. I definitely want to ask you, you know, America runs on Duncan and you were the Duncan dealer. It's where I what, peaked. It's where what I peaked. happened? What happened to you at, at Dunkin' Donuts? At 14 Donuts? when I peaked in, uh, at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, the other day I was driving past the Dunkin' Donuts and they were like, now hiring. I was like, I should just oh, make it full circle and go back there. I, <laughs> it was my first job. I wanted to work. I have always wanted to work. I used to like rake leaves in the neighborhood. I always wanted to make my own money. And... Dunkin' Donuts is in the mall, in the Rockaway Mall, and my friend, who was older than me, one year older, because you could work, you didn't need a worker's permit, I think, if you were 15, but I was only 14, and she got a job at Macy's, and I was like, I have to work in the Rockaway Mall, so I, I applied can't they hired her that young. Because, at 15? Yeah, in Michigan, I mean, we could start working at 12 with a work permit, but 
you couldn't work um, at the department stores until you were 16, I feel like. So then maybe she was 16 and I was 15, but I'm not sure. I feel like she was well, it's Jersey versus it's Jersey, you know. Jersey. It's different states. Yes, different states. It's totally right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think they can only work certain hours. Who the, who I don't think anyway, child yeah. labor laws exist it's in totally Jersey fine. to this day. Uh, but also, like, think about it. Like, who's asking a 15-year-old in the housewares department, like, about this blender? She's probably like, it's, I don't know. I don't um, know. Ask so I, yeah. I, at least I knew how to like ring up donuts. So like, yeah, I got a job at Dunkin' Donuts. And to be honest with you, Dunkin' Donuts is how I learned how to count money really fast, which made me a very fast bartender because one of the first people I ever worked with at Dunkin' Donuts was like, when you're making change, go backwards. So if it's like seven ninety five and someone gives you a 20, you're like, you know, seven ninety five, a nickel mix, eight, nine, 10, and then a 10, 12, 20. Like, so I just was like, no matter what it was, one, two, three. And I learned how to do that. And in the Rockaway Mall, Dunkin' Donuts opened up. And in the morning when I worked on the weekends, it opened up an hour before all the other stores so that all the employees yeah. could get their coffee and their donuts and stuff like that. And there'd be a line around the corner. And I was really fast on the register, like crazy fast. And I'm, I was very good at math always. So I, but that really helped me. And I was like really good at just grabbing the donuts and making, so I, I became shift manager at 15. It was a big deal. Kind of um, a big deal. That's crazy. And I was fired I was, at McDonald's. It was very popular 15. in high school because at that time, they don't do this anymore. At that time, Dunkin' Donuts literally, would, it's a waste, but they made the donuts fresh every day, so they unfortunately threw out whatever was left over. But they, they actually offered it up to people first. They didn't just throw it out. So they would... All the employees that were like, take whatever's left home because we've got to make a new batch tomorrow. So I would show up every day that I worked... I'd show up to homeroom the next morning with like all these donuts. Like I was incredibly popular. Everybody was like, oh my God, talking donuts. So okay. there it is. You were the popular girl that everyone hated. It's so. Because yep. I had so, donuts. Because you had donuts. You took the other bitch down. That's right. We, so when I was at Starbucks, um, we had the same problem where at the end of the night, there were certain items you had to throw away. You yeah. couldn't, you can't keep, uh -huh. but they wouldn't let employees take it. That's ridiculous. That's it had to be insane. given to customers and we didn't have customers that would take enough of it. So we had to, our store, we called around and finally found a food bank that would drive and pick it up. Cause That's we nice. also weren't allowed to drive it over to the food bank because of some sort of OSHA rule. We oh. could have poisoned the stuff. Oh. So they had to actually come themselves, come it. pick it up and take it. And that it's a lot of work. And until you work in an industry or at a place that, you know, you can make all these claims like that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Like you guys are wasteful. But in, in, in reality, there are all these rules. I know there are a lot of rules. Yeah. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts doesn't do that anymore. I don't think they throw them out. I mean, maybe they do. I don't think so. Then. But that was their whole commercials at the time. Like, time to make the donuts. And we make them right. Sam the donut right. baker. Yes, yep. Sam the donut. Exactly. Yeah. Time to make the donuts. Um, so, but I mean, they really, at that time, I mean, again, this was like in the 80s. They were just like, give the donuts to whoever wants to take the donuts. Um, but truthfully, though, they were also really good. They wouldn't just constantly, like, if we ran out of a certain brand and it was at, at night at, like, at a certain time, they wouldn't make new ones because we were just out. So yeah. that they tried to, like, eliminate waste for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. They weren't like, you know, munchkins always were the first to go. Um, Which but, I had one recently, and I was like, this is not what I remember. You know what? I had one the other day, and it's exactly what I remember. You know what? Sam died a few years ago, and nothing's been the same since. Oh, hold on. I, I don't know where we had one recently. Oh, I love a good munchkin. I still love them. I, want I like donut holes. Oh, I like the, the donut holes at the donut shop up the street. Oh, they're always, okay. They're always just glazed. Oh, so, you know, I like, like, Duncan's got, like, I like the chocolate, and now they've got pumpkin ones for the holidays, and cinnamon. I mean, they yeah. have a, They have, like, um... I don't like Reese's. jelly donuts. I don't like jelly munchkins. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Boston cream man. Oh, way back. Boston cream. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. They have a Reese's peanut butter cup coffee latte at Dunkin' Donuts right now that I saw on TikTok. Wow, that seems like a lot. In a it seems a like lot. a lot. And I'm like, can you put that in a munchkin? I feel like yeah, there ought to no, be a Bailey's like a donut. donut, like it's a Bailey's flavored glaze. Mm. This is, I think we've just started a new show. Like, seriously, I can tell you my favorite donut at Dunkin' Donuts, and I haven't had it in so many years because it definitely, like you can actually see yourself getting diabetes while eating it. It is the chocolate uh, chocolate filled donuts. So it's a round donut. It's like the Boston cream ones, but it's, you know, it's got the white powder on top and inside is 
chocolate cream, like a chocolate. That's my favorite. I used to get that all the time. Yes, me too. Yep, yep, yep. As a kid. I have not had this donut. You can literally feel the sugar coursing Mm. through your brains as you're eating it. You're like, you're like literally Mm. just like, and I would get one. It might break every single, and I would, and those would be one of the first ones that would run out. So I would take one when my shift started and, and hide it. Yep. So that when Smart. I got my break, I could have that donut. And it was, I mean, I haven't treated myself to it. One day, I will definitely treat myself to a chocolate cream filled donut from Dunkin' Donuts. I haven't in a long time because I don't want to die from a heart attack right now. No, but that's I mean, a deathbed donut. Yeah. yeah, it is a deathbed donut. But I had tons of them when I was younger because when you're younger, you're invisible. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I was 15 and worked at McDonald's. My, oh, yeah. You got a free meal on your shift all the time and I would get a cheese danish. They had cheese danishes then and I would get a large tea and I would just eat that cheese danish oh, like so it was good. never going to my thighs ever of course no never dev, never 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 does i know we're out of time yeah i know my uh, my therapy starts in three minutes so oh well i can't keep you from that i did want to ask you about headhunting <laughs> yeah. lawyers but oh god that was the worst that actually is the most boring job i'm glad you asked me about the other jobs that was i did that only for like four months and that was literally just cold calling you know those people are cold calling it's like are oh, you god. happy at your job it was the worst and i'm a great oh, salesperson god. it doesn't matter by the way all lawyers, no, this is what I did learn. All lawyers don't want to be lawyers. Nobody wants to be a lawyer. We've learned that on this show too. Yes. They all want Nobody to be writers. Nobody wants to be a lawyer. They, yeah, they don't want to be a lawyer. And me calling saying, I have a great opportunity in another law firm. They're like, I'm leaving law. I'm like, okay, bye. It was <laughs> so bad. I made no money at that job because it was really hard. I can't believe there was any job you didn't make money at. You're that so good at one. everything that you do. That was the job. That was the job I didn't make any money. I think you could have convinced me to get into law. And and we just love Jody. And into Drakkar uh, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. Easily, easily. I would be soaked in it and driving a Maserati to my <laughs> office in Glendale. While watching her do happen. her voiceover, because Jody came to the show from voiceover work. So listen, did, yes. when you hustle as hard as someone like Jody Miller and you're that talented, you're always going to work. That's Aww, true. That's so sweet. Thank you, you so much for being here. I know it's been love tough you and you no. are amazing and Thank you're you always one of our favorite people we talk about you, you all the time i love we you love guys. you love we you love both. You. and uh, i feel responsible for you guys being together and your son it's all because of me guys just saying it's actually true you do own all of this it's true i did a mitzvah <laughs> uh, oh, i love you guys love, love you, you too. thank you thank you so much for being here okay guys um, i'll talk to you soon okay okay, okay. Bye. bye she showed on monday